off. So, uh, Nate saw that. So, uh, anyway, um, uh, yeah, for the next couple Sunday nights, we're going to be taking. I, I do have a testimony that I wanted to share. I wanted to save it for when I got up here. Uh, this past week, I went to a wedding in, um, uh, where was I? Pennsylvania. That's where I was. I went to a wedding in Pennsylvania. Sorry, I went to where I was. Um, so, I was in Pennsylvania uh, this past uh, this past couple days. I was at a wedding. Uh, the wedding went really well. But when I left, I, I left from uh, here to go to drive to Minneapolis. It was kind of the only flight that kind of worked out for me to be able to be at youth group on Wednesday night and then still be uh, at the wedding on time. So, I left here at about 11 p.m. Wednesday night uh, after youth group. Uh, originally, I was going to leave around midnight. I had to leave a little bit earlier to get down there so that I was already tired. So, I, I knew that I was going to have to drive through the night. And uh, I got to the gas station, and I, when I went to the pump, they, they didn't have the gas that I needed in my car. And so I went to another gas station, and when I walked inside, there was a guy in there. Um, for some reason, I can't, I think his name was Rick. And uh, I walked in there, and uh, I was looking for snacks for the road, uh, because I needed something to keep me awake. And uh, I hear a voice from behind the counter go, the yogurt-covered pretzels are good. Excuse me? <laughs> he said, the yogurt-covered pretzels are really good. And I said, okay, I'll take your word on it. So I grabbed him, I walked over to the counter. And he said, yeah, it's sad, though, because my dog likes them, too. And so we started talking about our dogs. We just got a dog, Gabby and I did. And so we're talking about that. And I was able to invite him to church. Uh, he, I, he hasn't come uh, yet, but I'm hoping. I know where he works now, so I can go back there. And uh, so I'm going to go back there, and hopefully Rick will come to church. Uh, and I was just thinking about that and how excited I was that I was able to invite somebody to church. But And, and it was just amazing how God put me in that spot to talk to that guy. The, the, the previous gas station didn't have the gas that I wanted. It was clear that, that God wanted me there to be able to meet with that man. And I was thinking about how excited I was. But then I was thinking about all the times that I have those opportunities, and I don't. About the times where, where God puts me in a place where I'm able to take a, an opportunity to share the gospel or to invite them to church, and I don't. I was thinking about all the times that I've failed God. And there, there are other areas of my life. Wes, uh, yeah, Wes and I were talking this morning just about how how, how our past was and about how both of us, we, we failed God in so many different ways. And I was listening to a sermon the other day and he was talking about how many people believe that the Bible is a story about a bunch of really good people who did really great things, who, who were just always great people, but, but that's not true. If you've read the Bible for any length of time, you'll, you'll know that the Bible is a story about sinners who failed God over and over and over and over. It's a story of multiple failures because the main character in the Bible is not the people, it's God. Because the the story of the Bible is people failing God over and over again and then him having grace. And so for the next couple weeks, we're going to be in a series called Failures. And we're going to be looking at all or the biggest failures in Scripture. And I think this will be encouraging to us to find out that there are people in in the Bible that have failed God worse than you did. And maybe you came in tonight thinking, you know what, you failed God too bad, or you, you feel like you've gone too far, you've been far from God too long, to the point where, where God won't accept you anymore, God won't have you anymore, God doesn't want you anymore. But friend, I'm here to tell you that's not true. Because God wants you just as much as he did before you. And so we're going to be looking at the worst failures in scriptures. And so if you have your Bible tonight, we're going to be in jo- uh, Joshua chapter 7. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 7. When I was younger, my, my family and I, we were on our way back from a trip from Indiana. My, my dad had family that lived in Indiana, so we were driving 12 hours back to Maryland. And so as we're driving, uh, we passed the gas station. And when we passed the gas station, we saw, you know, how, how you have the signs that say exit 72, like you're going to have a bunch of gas stations. And so we're, we're coming up on the exit, and we look down at the, my dad looks down at the gas tank, and he says, you know, I think we're good, we're fine. 
Like we, we have about a half a tank, we can wait till the next gas station and we keep going. What we didn't know is that that was the last gas station for a very, very long time. And, and so my dad, he, he passes the gas station and, and we go down the road a little bit, uh, a, a little ways and, and we hear the noise that no one ever wants to hear when you're on a road trip, right? The ding, 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 right? And then you look down at the gas gauge and it says low fuel, right? That's, that's like the worst thing ever when you're on a road trip. And so we're, we're, we're trying to find fuel. My dad is, he's, he's looking around, he's trying to find those signs. And like I said, that gas station, the last gas station that we had for a while. And so we're, we're driving, my dad's getting the sweaty palms. Like he's like hoping we don't break down on the side of the road. Finally, after a while, we see a gas station. He pulls off on the side of the road and the car, I kid you not, I'm not lying. The car dies as he pulls up to the pump, right? Just barely made it. And what I learned from that is, is it's kind of, it's very scary to be away from the thing that is powering. See, because, because we didn't stop for gas, because we didn't have what was going to power us, we almost broke down on the side of the road. And when you're not close to what is powering you, it can be very destructive. And so tonight we're going to look at the failure of overconfidence. The failure of overconfidence. Joshua chapter 7, Joshua has just experienced the biggest victory of his life. Most of us know the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho, Joshua chapter 6. Right, God tells Joshua, hey, you're going to go to Jericho. You're going to walk around the city for seven days. You're, you're just going to walk around people. And then at the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times. And these priests, they're going to blow these trumpets. And then you're all going to yell as loud as you can. And when you do that, these walls, they're going to fall down, Joshua. And you're going to go in. You're going to take the city that I promised you years ago. You're going to take it. It's going to be the biggest victory of your life. And so Joshua, he, he's like, okay, God, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand this. But you know what? I'm going to do it. And so Joshua, he, he, he commands the people, he tells the people, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is what God said to do. So they go, they walk around the city for seven days. They don't take weapons, they don't take anything like that, that they just walk around this city. And after the seventh day, they walk there, they do exactly what God said to do. At the end, they yell, and these walls fall down, they take the city of Jericho. And it's this, this, this moment in, in Jewish history and in the Bible where it's just like an incredible victory. It's a highlight in the Bible. That's why we know it so well, because it's, it's one of the biggest victories in Scripture. But it's interesting, right after Joshua's biggest victory comes Joshua's. Look at me in verse number, uh, verse number 1, chapter number 7. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, of the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So there's this guy, he's named Achan, right? And Achan, we, we know that when God told them to go into the city of Jericho and, and take everything, God was very, very clear. He said, go into the city of Jericho and I want you to destroy everything. I don't want you to keep cattle. I want you to kill everyone. And I want you to burn everything that they have, right? I want you to get rid of everything. Don't keep any. See, because God's very clear when he doesn't want it, just like he was with Israel. So, but Achan, he doesn't. Achan takes what he has. We find out later in scripture that he hides Everything that he took from Jericho underneath his, he disobeys God. And so because of Achan's disobedience, now the children of Israel, they lose God's power. God's not with Israel. So look at verse number two. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethven, on the side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up to Ai, and they returned to Joshua, and they said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three hundred men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but. Joshua, he, he sends these guys up to the city of Ai. And we know from history that Ai is much smaller 
than Jericho is. It's a smaller city than Jericho was. And so Joshua, he sees this city, he sees that the walls are smaller, that there's not as many people there, that they don't have the guards that Jericho has. And he says, you know what? We were good. We can do this. We've got this. See, being confident, being confident is good. Confidence is good, as long as you're confident. See, Paul said in Philippians 1.6, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, Paul's confidence, it wasn't in himself. It wasn't in what Paul could do. It wasn't in Paul's talents. It wasn't in Paul's ability. His confidence was in one person, that person. But in this passage, see, I'm not so much focused on Achan's sin. I'm not so focused on what Achan did. My focus in this passage tends to be on on Joshua. So we're going to look at two steps that Joshua took to get back to his source of success. Because, Because Joshua, Joshua didn't fail at Ai. Sorry, I forgot to read the rest of the passage. Let's read the rest of these first five verses. Look at verse number four. So they went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before Ai. Remember, this city's smaller. It, it, they just defeated Jericho, one of the biggest cities. This city's smaller. Now they're running. They're running for their life. And look at verse number five. And the men of Ai smote them. They smote of them about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Sherev, Sherev and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became right after Joshua's biggest, one of Joshua's biggest failure. So what does Joshua do? What do you do when your overconfidence, when your overconfidence in yourself leads you to a place of failure? See, because many times we think that we can do things on our own. Many times we think that we can even live the Christian life on our own. Many times we think that, that, that we don't need God as much as we did before. And many of us were going into this new year and we knew we needed God before. Like we knew we needed God in that financial crisis. We, we knew that we needed God when our marriage was struggling. We knew we needed God when we were struggling. Hey, I'm getting a little ring back here. Can we turn me down a little bit? We knew that God was struggling. Or that we were struggling, when we were struggling with things, when we were wrestling with things, when we just couldn't get victory over that sin, we knew we needed God. But what happens after? Like, do you still feel like you need God as much as you did last year? Because some of us were in good places. Some of us, we've come to a place in our life where we're, where we're pretty comfortable. We're not struggling as much as we did last year. COVID, it's going, it's kind of going away a little bit. Like, we're pretty, we're getting pretty comfortable. But these are the times after our biggest victories, Oftentimes, we'll come our biggest defeats because we feel like we can do things for overcome. And my question to you is, are you, at, are you in a place in your life where you're more confident? So what do we do when we get there? We're going to look at two steps that Joshua took to get back to his source of success. The first step that he took is that he went to God. <laughs> See, these two steps, they're not meant to be complicated. They're not meant to be hard. They're, not, they're, 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 they're elementary school. So, so we're all going to be able to understand that. Even, even, the, even the kids in the back, they're going to be able to understand this. First thing Joshua does, he goes to God. And what's interesting about this is that before Ai, when, when, when Joshua saw Jericho, when Joshua saw the walls, when Joshua saw the army that Jericho had, when Joshua saw Jericho, he knew he needed God. Just like I was just saying a second ago, when you saw the struggles that were coming at you last year, you knew you needed God. And that's how Joshua was in this place. It, Joshua knew he needed God. And so Joshua, he goes to God and God tells him exactly what to do. And Joshua obeys him. Joshua does exactly what God tells him to do at Jericho. But what's interesting, in that in those first five verses that we just read, did we see that Joshua goes to God one time? You shake your head. No. We read those first five verses, not one time did Joshua think to say, oh, hey, God, is it okay? Like, should we go to Ai? 
Is that cool? Can we, can we go to AI? Should we go after them? Because here's, here, and I think, and this isn't in scripture, okay, but, but I think this is what Joshua's thinking. Because we know from geography that AI was a really strategic city for Israel to take. See, AI was, on, there, were, there were two cities. There was Bethel and AI. Both of them very high altitude cities. And both of them straddled this valley. And this valley was the only way for Canaan, or the only way that anyone, any military, could get from north to south in Canaan. And so in order for Israel to be able to defeat all these Canaanites, they knew they had to be able to take Ai. And so what Joshua, I, I, I have a feeling from this text, what Joshua does is he sees what seems to be obvious, and without going and consulting God first, he just says, you know what, this is what makes sense, so I'm going to do it. How often is that? You know what, it, it, it just kind of makes sense. My, my, my marriage is struggling it just kind of makes sense for me to just maybe get out. You know, I have this desire to look at something, so so it just kind of makes sense. I should probably fulfill this desire. It won't really matter that much. So so I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fulfill this desire. I know it's wrong, but but it it'll be okay. You know you know I I know I shouldn't talk about that person or work behind their back, but but everybody else is doing it, and and they might make fun of me if I don't. It, it kind of makes sense, and so you know what? I'm just gonna do it. Kind of makes sense. You know, I have a long day at work. Kind of makes sense. I shouldn't wake up an hour early. To read my Bible or with God, no, I'm just going to go and do my day without food. It just see one of the dangers of just doing what makes is that you begin to trust yourself and your judgment over this. What do you trust? And I know we're, we're all Christians here. We're all Sunday night Christians, and you would say, you know what? I trust God. I trust the Bible. But no, 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 no. Think about it. who do you trust more? Because the one that you trust more is going to be the desires of you. And so, do you follow your desires or do you follow God's? See, Joshua. In this passage, he's trying to do something that's good. He's not trying to do something sinful. He's not trying to do something evil. And I know I, I mentioned a couple of sins, but, but that's not Joshua in the story. Joshua's trying to do something that's good. God's already promised them this land. He's trying to do something that, that he believes God wants them to do. And, and so Joshua tries to do it. But here's a really important lesson that we can learn from that text is that we can't do anything good apart from you. We don't have the power. We can do morally good things, right, apart from you. But if God calls us to do something, when God called Pastor Yoder here to pastor, he knew that he would never be able to pass apart from the power of God. And that's not just for We can't do anything that God calls us to do apart from his power and his enabling. And so if you ever try to do something that you feel like God wants you to do without consulting him first, it's dangerous. Some of us, we're trying to live our life as Christians on our own. Like we're trying to get victory over sin on our own. Like we're trying to get rid of, of that pornography addiction on our own. We're trying to, we're trying to stop gossiping on our own. We're trying to do all these things that, that they seem to be good, but we haven't asked God for help. We haven't consulted God and said, God, can you please help me with this? And it's interesting because Paul said in Galatians 3, 3, are you so foolish? Modern day vernacular. Are you really that dumb? Having begun in the spirit, look, you started with trusting in Jesus Christ for the spirit to, 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 to permanently indwell you as a believer in Jesus. That's how you started. Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect? Like, do you really think that this whole thing started with you putting your faith in Jesus and now, now you can live the Christian life on your own? Paul says, no, that's ridiculous. Because the same power, look, 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 the same power that saved you is the same one that sanctifies you. Like, you're not made perfect on your own power. You can't do it on your own. Very clear from Joshua. The good news is, Joshua, Joshua failed. The good news is, look at verse number. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, 
Wherefore hast thou all hast thou all brought this people over the Jordan to deliver us of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God that we had been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say? When Israel turneth their backs before their enemies. Joshua in the in the in the worst part of his life, in the worst failure of his life, what does he do? He turns to his Savior. Now he turns to God and kind of complains. He says, God, why did you, if you were just going to bring us here to let us fall into the hands of Ai, he kind of sounds like Israel in Exodus. If you were just going to bring us here to let us fall into the hands of the Amorites, why are we even here? Like, God, what are we doing? And many times that's our attitude too, is we, is we go to God and because of our failure, because of what, because of our stupidity, we're like, we're, we're like, God, how could you put me in this place? Sometimes, sometimes I wonder, like, what the angels are like when we say this kind of thing. Like, when we're like, God, how could you put me here? How, why are you doing this to me? I don't understand. I don't deserve this. I wonder if the angels are, sometimes are kind of like, do they know who you are? Like, do they know who they're talking to? <laughs> they were the dumb ones that put themselves in their situ- that situation. And now they're, they're yelling at you, Joshua, but, but, but the important thing is to go to God. And that's exactly what we should do. See, because in our overconfidence, we will often fail because God wants us to run. He wants it. Some of us, we think that it might take a while for God to... Some of us, we think that it might take some time for God to maybe reconcile their relationship uh, again. Maybe, sometimes sometimes we think that maybe God isn't as quick to forgive us maybe as he was before we messed up. But 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 here's what the Bible says in, in 1 John 1, 9. Listen to me. I know you know it, but listen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, church, that's a promise. He promises that if we go to him and if we say, God, you know what? I I thought I could do this on my own power. I I thought that I I was overconfident in myself and I failed. And God, now I need you. Would you please forgive me? Because God, I need you. And the Bible doesn't say that God's like, well, give me like two or three days. Let me, let me kind of have a mental health day. And then maybe after that, like we're good. Like we can, we can move on. No, the Bible says as soon as we go to God and we say, God, would you forgive me immediately? Yeah. Not because of what? We did. See, God's forgiveness is not about what we can do to make it right. It's about what Jesus did. So if you're at a place right now where you're overconfident, and maybe you've, you're before your AI moment, like you've had some victories in the past, and now you're, you're, you're feeling pretty confident in yourself before it gets to the AI moment. And say, God, forgive me for my overconfidence. I need you. I can't do anything. I can't get victory over this sin on my own. I can't live a, a victorious Christian life on my own. God, I can't do it with power. What did Joshua do? He went to God. The second, second action that he took was that he listened. Joshua, he throws this, this giant pity party. He goes to God. And God tells Joshua what he needs to do. Right? In the next couple of verses, in, in verse uh, number 10, God, verses number 10 through uh, 12, or verses actually number 12 through 15, God's telling Joshua what to do. He's saying, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Somebody took something that I told them not to do. And that's why you failed at AI. And so what I need, you didn't have my power. You, you would have You would have done great. If you would have had me, but you didn't have me, so you failed, okay? So now what I need you to do is you need to get the sin out of the camp. You have to take care of a How to get rid of it? <laughs> so what is verse 16? So Joshua, read the next four words. Or sorry, so Joshua rose up, read it now, early. God tells Joshua to do. Joshua wakes up early. That's really important because Joshua wasn't willing to spend another day without God's power. He didn't, he didn't want to go another day without God's power on his life. And so, you know what? He, he said, you know what, God, whatever you tell me to do, whatever you tell me to get rid of, whatever you tell me to put in the camp, whatever you tell me to take out of the camp, I don't care what you tell me to do. I want to do it because I'm tired of spending my life apart from God. 
Because Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he says that there is no meaning in life apart from God under the sun. And some of us need to get to that. Some of us need to get to the point where we get so sick of our sin because it's putting strain on our relationship with Jesus. And we need to get so sick and tired of the sin that just keeps coming back that we say, you know what, God, I'm going to obey you now because I will not spend another day with strain on my relationship with you. Because some of us were overconfident in ourselves that we can get victory over the, whatever sin is on our own. And so we say, you know what, I'm going to get victory over this sin. Like, I'm, I'm going to be fine. So I really don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to go to God in prayer. I can get victory over this on our own. And, and, and you may not be saying that, but if you're trying to get victory over something and you don't pray and you don't read the, the, the Bible, that's what you're saying. I can do it without it. Think about it. If you're trying to live a life as a Christian, you're trying to grow in your relationship with God, but you're not spending any time with you're saying I can do it without you. My concern for some of you is that we're Let's imagine for a second this story went another direction. God comes to Joshua, says, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. You need to get it out. And then after you do, you'll have AI, you'll get victory. And Joshua sleeps in, right? Goes to Colbridge. Goes two or three days, doesn't get any sin out of it. Doesn't doesn't call the tribes of Israel before him, doesn't try to figure out who who, who did this thing. He, he doesn't really care that much. And it goes months and months and months, and Israel never sees victory in Ai. And we would look at that story and be like, Joshua, what is wrong with you? But many of us, that's what we're doing. Because we know, if you're like me, and you spent huh, years just completely in one sin that you just did not want to get rid of, you know exactly right now, as I'm speaking, what God wants to get out of you. And some of us were like, I don't want because that sin means more. Listen, that sin means more to you. That sin is more important. And we look at it, we say it's not that big of a deal because it's just a little sin. Like it's just a little bit of God. It's just a little bit of porn. It's just a little bit of of, of whatever. It's just a little bit of it. It's just a little bit of materialism. It's just a little bit in, in in caring too much about oh what other people think of me. It's just a little bit. The problem with that is Aiken wasn't that big of a deal. Aiken's not mentioned any other time apart from this story. Not a big deal. Really didn't take that. The Bible says later that, that, that he took a Babylonian garment, 200 shekels, shekels of silver, and 50 shekels. It's, that's not that much. From the whole city of Jericho. See, but even though it was, it was what we would think is a tiny sin, Israel completely lost. And that's a picture of what your Christian looks like if you don't. Because when we don't listen to God, destruction. So don't try to get sin out of your life. The Bible says this in Romans 6. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise. Wrecking ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, listen, through Jesus Christ. It's not about, it's not about you trying to get this. It's not about you. Now there are disciplines, right? We talked about spiritual disciplines last week, and those are good, and they get you closer to the one who's going to be able to get that sin out of your life. But look, Jesus is the one that's going to do it. After Joshua goes back, he gets the sin out of it. Look at chapter number eight. The Lord said unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take up all the people of war with you, and arise and go to Ai, See, I have given into thine hand the king of Ai and his people, see of this land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst to Jericho. God says, Joshua, now that you come to me, now that your confidence in yourself is broken and shattered because you realize that you can't do it on your own, and now that you've come to me, and now that you've listened to me, now that you, because now you have my power. When you didn't, you couldn't. But now that you have it, some of you, you're thinking, man, I I've messed up that. I failed God so much because I, whether it was a sin that you're trying to get victory over or whatever the case is, you feel like right now if you've listened to this message, like I haven't, I haven't gone to God, I haven't listened to God. And many of you, 
you feel like, man, your 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 entire past now is just wasted away. I have two goals with the two. My two goals: one, to learn some principles of how, what we can do either in failure or and I think we've, we've done that after failure. We go to God. But what happens when we look back at it? What happens when we're laying in bed at night? Trust me, I have many of these nights. What happens when you're looking back and the guilt is overwhelmed? You're like, man, I, I can't believe I did that. I'll never be. I'll never be the person that God wanted me to be now because because I did that and it was terrible. And I can't believe, can't believe I did that. My second purpose with this series is to support that God has toward us when we fail. And I think it'll surprise us. Look at verse number 26 in chapter number 7. I'm almost, verse number 26. And they raised over him a great heaps of stones. He's talking about Achan, stone Achan. And unto this, unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of, the, of his anger. Wherefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Achan unto this day. They called this valley the Valley of Achor, which in the Hebrew is just the name Achan. They, called, they named this valley after it. And it's a place that, that when they remembered it, they remembered this terrible and awful thing in their history. When, when, when people would look at the Valley of Achor after this, they would think of a time where it was just an utter, complete failure. But the Valley of Achor is mentioned two more times in Scripture. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. You don't have to turn it, I'll read it for you. God's speaking. He says, I will give her the vineyards from thence. Talking about Israel. And the Valley of Achor for a door of hope. Isaiah 65, verse 10. And Sharon shall be the fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor, place for the herds to lie down. Because listen, listen, and this is the most important part of this message, if you don't hear anything else through this whole thing. During those times, when you're looking back at the times when you've failed God over and over again because of your overconfidence in yourself, or whatever the case is, when you look back at the times that you have failed God, remember this, that even though you have failed God, first, he has never given you. He's never hated you. He's never, he's never given up. He's never lost hope. And when everyone else thought that you were a goner, when everyone else thought that you would never do anything for God, he knew that you would if you would just go back. Because the Valley of Acre, a place that was a remembrance of awful, terrible memories, God used it in future generations to be a place of beauty and a place of provision. So the reason that you went through what you went through and the reason that you, now you're able to help future generations, not to make because that's who God is. Remember the story of Joseph. Brothers come to him and they said, Joseph, are you going to kill us because of what we did to you? And Joseph says this, no, 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 because you meant it for evil. God meant it. So when you remember your failures and you remember your overconfidence, you remember all the times that you have failed God, remember that God can use your failures for others' good. 